This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel with me as always. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the podcast. That means we're getting you ready for this weekend's home football game. Oregon taking on the UCLA Bruins. 12.30 kick. Excited for that. Uh, no night game for Eric and I and for also our guests to watch this game, which is always a good thing. A game will be aired on ESPN2. And to get you ready for this weekend's home football game, Oregon versus UCLA, we have Mike Regalado from Bro. It's our UCLA counterpart for the 24-7 Sports Network. Mike does a great job as the beat reporter for uh, Bro, also known as Bruin Report. Uh, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, quite an exciting week. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good UCLA-Oregon talk right now. <laughs> that goes right into our, the first question. Um, year three of Chip Kelly at UCLA. Uh, what, how would you describe what's the state of the program right now, um, two games into year three for Chip Kelly? Well, you know, um, my boss, uh, Tracy, at uh, Bruin Report Online just put out an article yesterday, I believe it was, that talks about what if, UCLA would have beaten Colorado uh, and they were close to it. Um, would there be, especially after the Colorado game, would there be such vitriol towards the team and Chip Kelly? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you see what they did against Cal and it's like, wait a minute, oh, who are you? Who is this team? Um, right. So right now I don't, you know, fans are happy about the result, but they, a lot of them are um, cautious about it too. You know, thinking, it's one game. Let, let's calm down. You know, we've seen some positives with, with the offense. Um, their numbers keep, you know, going up and up. But uh, it was the defense that uh, had, a, had a hard time stopping Colorado and then seemed almost, you know, uh, stopped uh, Cal with ease this past weekend. So it, it's still wait and see. But in year three, a lot of fans were expecting Chip Kelly to and be the Chip Kelly of Oregon you know, if you will. But obviously he's changed his scheme. He's changed uh, the way he recruits. And it's kind of led to it, – it, Chip Kelly does finally become successful. It's just taken a lot longer than people hoped for, uh, which is weird because, you know, I was talking to a friend about this, like, you know, about 10 years ago. Um, you know, coaches were given four years, five years, but now it's three years. And it's like, well, what have you done? You know, let's start winning now. But uh, right now it's uh, it's – it's, it's cool. The flame is cooled a little because of what happened with Cal. So <laughs> that's a situation with UCLA. Mike, I want to ask, you mentioned the defense and kind of the, I don't know, Jekyll and Hyde nature of it. They gave up 48 points against Colorado. And I think we're all kind of like, oh, wow, this defense is probably not very good. I think Oregon fans probably went, well, that game should be pretty winnable. And then California, who this reporter here picks to be the only loss Oregon would have all season. And, and I don't know if I look silly for that right now. They, they only scored 10 points against UCLA's defense. Like, what, what changed? And, and, like, from your perspective, you know, which, which, which one's the real UCLA defense? 
you know, in all honesty, I think we're still waiting to see because with Colorado, um, they, you know, looking back at it, they actually did have some good stops. And, you know, the offense with the turnovers and three, four turnovers in the first quarter, but three of them resulted in scores. So that gave Colorado instant, you know, 21 point gift. Um, so when you subtract that, that comes out to, you know, 40, 47. Sorry, I needed my second cup of coffee. Math, math right now is not the quick. So, I mean, that is, you know, enough to you to beat a team usually, especially when you put 42 uh, points on them. But at the same time, they gave up 525 total yards against Colorado. Um, at times, it looked like the um, there was just still a lot of cushion being given by the secondary. Uh, the, the linebackers, uh, that's been kind of an issue uh, the last few years about giving up uh, passing and the you know uh, uh, giving up receptions in the e- intermediate passing game, and then run defense, which ha- which has actually improved in the last two years under Chip Kelly. J- you know they just got blown up by Broussard and and um, um, I'm blanking on the quarterback right now, but uh, yeah, it was uncharacteristic. Yes, thank you. It was uncharacteristic. Uh, just c- considering what we saw last year, but at the same time, we heard all off season about tweaks. Uh, to the defense, they're going to a four-two-five, and then all of a sudden, you see just you know this. I don't you know just this amazing effort by the defense against Cal, and that, uh, like I said, I, I still think the jury is out on that because Cal only had what two, two weeks to play uh, or, or to practice uh, together as a team. You know they had those harsh restrictions in Berkeley, so I think UCLA caught um, Cal off guard. Um, but at the same time, their offense did not look good at all. And, and UCLA, uh, they, they, they attacked. They just jumped on it. Uh, and all of a sudden, we have pass rushers where we, <laughs> we didn't have that the last few years. Transfer uh, Quantrez Knight, is just, he was just a beast. You know, he just stood out, um, usually on the uh, field side. And then, uh, you know, on the boundary side, we had guys like Carl Jones and um, Mitchell Agude sneaking into the backfield. So it was like, whoa okay, we actually have some guys that can put the defense in position to, um, to make stops, to make plays, and you know, give the, to give the offense a chance to do what they do. And as far as the offense, um, you know, I, I personally ha- think that uh, you know, a lot of people get on DTR, um, but I actually think he's doing really well. Obviously, he needs to – having uh, two interceptions and one fumble – in two games is not good in his third years. Um, but to be able to bounce back, to keep fighting in both games and to, to, uh, you know, just finally have the offense flow the way uh, we've been waiting, uh, Chip Kelly, uh, waiting for it to, 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 uh, to evolve under Chip Kelly here, you know, finally, <laughs> so it's taken a while. What's been, I guess you kind of touched on some of it there for me, um, week two to, to week one's offenses, it seemed like Cal last weekend or on, on Sunday against Cal, you know, they were maybe more efficient, more consistent. They came out of the jump early. Um, it, and, and secondly, Felton, the running back for the, for the Bruins, kind of feels like he leads the team in rushing, even though it's just by three yards, but you know, he's kind of the workhorse there. Um, Felton also leads the team in receptions. Doesn't have the most yardage, but most receptions. Um, feels like he's kind of 
the you know the engine of this UCLA offense? And, and is it as simple as hey, contain him, or and, and you're good, or is it someone else, and you have to focus more on DTR? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, luckily with this offense, it's it's giving a lot of guys uh, time to shine. Um, you know, against Cal, I think they were. Um, you know, obviously they were prepared for Utah and then in 40 hours they had to turn around and, you know, try to put something, put something together for Cal. So I think they were, it was both a mix of uh, coaching as well as um, the players just kind of, you know, we've heard it all, uh, um, all during camp that they're just tired of losing. And I think that kind of like lit a, lit a fire underneath them uh, to come out. So, uh, so, so well against Cal. But, um, you know, as far as Dimitri Felton, you know, his evolution is interesting because last year they had Joshua Kelly, who, you know, he was a guy that would go, you know, in between the gaps, you know, A gap, B gap, or he can bounce out to the outside. Uh, but he was that power, that power back. And UCLA really didn't have that. So they went out and got a transfer from Duke, Britton Brown. Um, and that's, he's been a backup. We didn't, we, he only had two carries in the first game and was a little bit more impressive here. So we see that UCLA now has uh, a power back, but it's also, you know, Chip Kelly also put Felton in those positions where Felton is a guy you want to get out in space. He's quick. He, he just makes some just mind-boggling cuts. Um, and that's what uh, allowed him to get so much yards, as you said, you know, rushing and receiving. Um, I like to call him UCLA Swiss Army Knife because the guy can do, you know, uh, everything. And, um you know, he'll line up in the backfield and then all of a sudden you see, you know, a few seconds later, it's like, oh, wow, he's the guy that's catching at 15 yards down the field. Um, so having him uh, in multiple roles really helps. But um, I, I also think it, uh, they've done a really good job um, with the offensive line and having the receivers uh, help in the blocking game. That um, was really evident against Cal and gave uh, Felton, DTR, Britton Brown, you know, a lot of space to work with uh, running it on the ground. All right, when we come back, we'll finish up our interview um, previewing this UCLA football game. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopa with me. As always, we've got Mike Regalado on the show, getting you ready for Saturday's UCLA-Oregon football game, 12.30 kick uh, from Austin Stadium. Game is broadcast on ESPN2. Mike, you kind of touched on Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA's junior quarterback, a little bit there, the way he's kept them in games. 
you mentioned the turnovers aren't ideal. I think the passing percentage is probably a little bit below what you'd, you'd prefer as well. But, like, what's the growth been from year one to two to now three? Because he's had his moments in the past. I think back to the comeback against Washington State last year, and I know there have been other moments. But it's, it seems like from a dynamic – like, he seems like one of the more – and this is something Mario Cristobal said earlier this week was just that he's one of the most dynamic players both in the conference but also in the country – what have you kind of seen from him? And does he feel like he's kind of taken his game up a level so far in his third year? I mean, aside from the turnovers, uh, I, I think he's been, you know, pretty impressive. He's continued. I think he's made, like, I said they made a, uh, uh, he made a slight improvement going into the Colorado game, during the Colorado game. And he showed more athleticism and IQ, uh, against uh, Cal, uh, his decision-making was a lot better. Um, he's still kind of making some uh, passes you really don't want a quarterback to make, you know, in traffic or something I've noticed lately. He kind of does this like lob pass, uh, this kind of like floater to guys that are, you know, just trying to uh, dump it over a defender's head, which that scares me a little bit, but <laughs> for the most part, uh, being able to make those big plays and it's not just, you know, uh, throwing the ball downfield, getting 20, 30 yards, but it's actually uh, getting the ball, getting the ball uh, to guys in the intermediate, you know, yardage area and then making plays after that, you know, having a lot of uh, extra yards after catch or carry um, that's been, you know, helping the team, you know, with, with all of their talent. But uh, for the most part, I think his decision, decision-making and leadership um, has been huge this season. Um, and also, you know, a lot of a lot of Bruin fans when you see when Chip Kelly was hired were saying, "Oh, this running the blur would be perfect for for Chip at at UCLA," and he hasn't done it. He just says, "That's that's in the past. That's what I did at Oregon." But like this this week against Cal, we saw um, they, they're running a little bit of tempo. I'm not going to call it the blur, but mm-hmm. uh, they played a little bit of tempo, and it worked. And they have played tempo uh, from time to time in the last two seasons. They just don't continue. Not the not like the way they did at Oregon where it was one side of the field, just lightning all the way down. It's like, I was like, all right, we're going to do lightning for about 20, 30 yards. And Hey, let's slow it up. Let's see what substitution. <laughs> let's see who, he, who hasn't gotten in. Hey, have you gotten in? Uh, get in there. Um, no, I'm not saying he's doing it by favoritism, but it's just kind of puzzling the way that he has uh, um, had the pace for UCLA's offense. So this weekend when they actually ran some tempo and Dorian Thompson Robinson was, you know, just running all over the field, Everyone was like, this is it. Thank you. Dorian Thompson Robinson is a dual threat quarterback. He's not so much a pocket passer. Um, you need to put him in the situations where he can succeed. And if they, you know, if they continue, I'm, I'm not even going to guarantee that they will continue that type of offense because who knows what Chip Kelly's doing, you know, <laughs> from game to game. But uh, I mean, if they do, I think that's going to be one of their uh, biggest reasons for having su- success against Oregon or, you know, the teams that they play uh, later in the season. Mike, isn't that, that – that kind of confuses me. Like, wasn't Chip Kelly hired in part because of – in large part because of what he did at Oregon and kind of being this innovative offense? Like, it, that, like that just seems kind of silly to me that he would come out and say, well, that's in the past. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, that's been the question for all of us at the media scrums. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, so are we going to see any of any of this? No? Okay, I guess we're not going to ask that question anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's especially with the talent that he can get here. Um, you know, it's a, it's just weird that uh, you have Jim Mora before who just would have, 
top 25 classes and, you know, just really talented guys, guys that we're seeing in the NFL, you know, ball out right now. Um, but they never actually won you know, anything significant. And then Chip Kelly comes here and then the recruiting gets worse and then they start losing. It's like, what's happening? Yeah. You're, you're, you're not doing what helped you win. <laughs> so it's been really head scratching. And it's weird because it's, he's basically trying to do the NFL offense, the offenses he did at, at Philadelphia with the multiple tight end looks. Um, you know, he's trying to do, do interesting formations, you know, heavy, uh, you know, heavy side runs. And it's, you know, it's, it, three years in, a lot of fans are like, okay, is this going to pay off or what? And so, you know, if what happened against Cal is a glimpse of that and it continues, like I said, continues to give them success, hey, go with that. It, you know, if not, you know, Chip really needs to evaluate what is working and what not is working. And, you know, he has his uh, chipicisms, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, seven and what is he now? Seven and 18, eight and 18. Um, it, that's just not going to cut it. You know, not, not being above 500 is not going to cut it. Not being to a bowl in three seasons is not going to cut it. And it's weird that against Cal was the first time that he was 500 at UCLA. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting situation there. Um, his first year, they were incredibly young. Mm-hmm. There, there were a ton of freshmen. Lack of inexperience was, was prevalent with this roster. And two years later now, and you're starting to see these younger guys play. And they're still probably relatively young compared to you know, other programs across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon, for one, is not going to be the opposite. They're in a similar boat. They have a lot of young players. But we're starting to see these UCLA guys grow up a little bit. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a junior. This is now his third year kind of – in that role um, you've got guys up and down the offensive line or receivers or defense um, in bigger roles uh, for multiple seasons. Now, are you seeing that starting to pay off this experience and, and guys maturing a little bit and turning into you know, some of these guys, you know, players that we all would think they've become, are we seeing that translate now onto the field with more experienced older guys? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it, it was weird. I talked with uh, uh, the Colorado 24 seven um, uh, site manager uh, did an interview two weeks ago. And, you know, he asked me what the strengths and weaknesses were. And I'm like, well, the strength is their experience. I mean, they, the experienced guys are talented and they've been there. They know the system and the weakness is their inexperience. Um, there's just so many new guys, whether it's walk-ons guys that have, that were on the bench uh, the last two years, uh, grad transfers, uh, true freshmen. Um, there's either a lot of one, or a lot of the other. There's like no in between. There's no, <laughs> there's no like rising sophomore or something. There, there were a lot of unknown questions, and I think there still are, um, uh, especially with a lot of guys that are maybe second on the two deep, uh, getting playing time. But you know, wondering are you know are they going to have a breakout season? Um, you know, is this linebacker going to work out? Um, because he's also had a lot of turnover too, which is head scratching. Some of it's like, you know, you understand, but some of it's like, mm, okay, well, how, why is that guy leaving? Um, so it's been really, it's not been the greatest roster management. Um, but right now, uh, I mean, it looks like, especially with a couple of the grad transfers, um, he's been able to at least stabilize, you know, like the defense, for example, and having leaders uh, on the offense has, has helped 
the offensive line, which is fairly young. I mean, you know, sophomores uh, uh, for the most part, um, you know, it's been helping them grow. But overall, you know, you'd think that in the third year, there'd be, you know, more guys that have developed, more guys that are in position to, um, um, you know, uh, be key playmakers, you know, stuff like that. So I think there still is time to see that. But, you know, I've all, I also think that why haven't we seen more of it at this point? Mike, you know, Oregon hasn't forced a turnover this year. Last year they were tops in the conference, one of the best nationally in that category. UCLA has turned it over five times. I think, by the way, Oregon's also turned it over five times. So turnover margin, Oregon, not particularly good this year. You mentioned DTR and some of the issues he's had. Does this feel like a UCLA offense that is turnover prone? Like, how would you characterize, I guess, the, the four turnovers or giveaways they've had this year? Were those uh, defensively, were they forced, were those, un, were those unforced, or kind of how would you characterize those? It's um... – it's a variety. Like I, you know, I talked about, you know, one of uh, DTR's lob passes that, that scare me that, that was um, one of those were, was a path that resulted in an interception in the first game. Um, there was a bad handoff between DTR and Felton, uh, which caused a fumble. Um, you know, I think it's, it's weird because I think it's just being unlucky, <clears throat> but at the same time, it could also be about ball security you know, um, making better decisions. And then, yeah, you know, what surprised me is that they started the Cal game exactly the same way they started the Colorado game. Right. But they bounced back much quicker. You know, UCLA had a block punt and um, an interception, but that didn't stop them. The, the defense just kept, you know, hitting back at, uh, at, at the offense. And I don't, you know, the defense wasn't as tired. They were on the field quite a bit. Um, against Colorado. This one was uh, the time of possession was more in favor of UCLA. Um, so the offense was, you know, once they kind of shook everything off, uh, the offense, you know, was flowing, um, you know, really well. You know, it's, it's, this has got to be one of the best offensive performances the uh, UCLA has had. And the interesting thing is, is that they had less yards and points than they did against Colorado. And this was the better offensive game. Uh, Mike, for me, the last question I've got is just, I guess, what has to happen for UCLA to win this football game? And on the flip side, what has to happen for UCLA to lose this game? UCLA has to show that the team that they brought to the Rose Bowl against Cal last week is who they are. If they can get, you know, a ton of pressure on, on Shuck, um, if they can somehow penetrate the Oregon's offensive line or at least disrupt, disrupt them a bit, throw them off their game. I think that will help uh, because I, I, um, I think UCLA's offense will be able to hang with the defense just, and you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm digging what I'm seeing from, from Oregon's defense, but from UCLA's offense, it's, it's eye opening. You know, we saw a little bit of it last, last season. I mean, they what put up a ton of points, 68 points against Washington state. <laughs> They had some, you know, crazy 35-point comeback. So they can put numbers up. Uh, you know, they could put a lot of, lot of yards up, um, a lot of points. Uh, they just need to do it consistently. That's the thing. If they don't – if they are inconsistent, that's going to kill them. You know, if they have turnovers early again and allow um, Oregon to, uh, to start strong, which, you know, as we've seen the last two games, they haven't really started strong, but yet they've ended, you know – you know, fabulously, you know, like it, it was, it was just really impressive how they came back against Washington state. UCLA needs to 
keep Oregon at bay early and late, actually, for that, for that matter, as I just said, they they're, they're, have been a really good second-half team. But UCLA just has to be consistent. If that's, if that's how they come in here with that mindset, you know, keep fighting, keep, uh, you know, uh, trying to run the ball at Oregon, trying to keep, um, you know, getting to the edges uh, against uh, uh, Oregon's offensive line, uh, that should really help UCLA. But if they are just – if they skip a beat, you know, I think Oregon will just pounce on that and, you know, that'll be the day for UCLA. Mike, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. You can meet, read all of uh, Mike Regalado's work on Bro, Bruin Report, um, on 24-7 Sports Network. And, uh, hey, hopefully we get served up a interesting and exciting Saturday afternoon football game from Watson Stadium, 12.30 kick. Oregon UCLA yeah guys thank you very much for having me yeah I think uh Oregon's gonna win I just think it's I would like it to be close and entertaining but yeah it, I, I, Oregon would probably win this one <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well I, I think Eric and I both think they'll win too um but I it would not surprise me in the slightest if at halftime or in the third quarter this is a game where it's a one score game mm-hmm. it, it yeah. just wouldn't wouldn't surprise me one bit just yeah. seeing where uh, Oregon's defenses and what we saw from UCLA last week. But, hey, that's why they play the games. You never know, right? Exactly, exactly. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later on the podcast. Talk Take to care. you, folks.